Please be seated. <clears throat> so in case you weren't here for the announcements, um, <clears throat> it's going to be a little bit different uh, this morning because I'm sick. We're just going to actually not look at the text that's printed in the bulletin. Um, if, if you have a Bible, you can open to Romans chapter 16. We'll look at verses 25 and uh, 25 through 27. Um, again, mainly this is I, uh, racking my foggy brain the last couple days. I, I didn't want to do a disservice to uh, the first of the Ten Commandments. Um, <clears throat> I think you deserve uh, better than uh, fever-induced ravings. Um, <clears throat> so you're going to get the first commandment next week. Um, in its fullness and glory. Uh, this week, <clears throat> sticking with the theme of the, the Ten Commandments, um, it, it's going to be very brief. Basically, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read from this little booklet that uh, I've written. It's available on the book table. It's, uh, it's about Christian obedience. So the, the, the concept that we're going to talk about, just very briefly, uh, is, is what does uh, Christian obedience look like and how, do, how does that... Um, in some sense, how is it unique in the fact that it's actually Christian, not just um, not just a, a good living, right? Not just uh, virtuous behavior. <clears throat> and so, uh, hopefully, thematically, that makes sense to go along with the Ten Commandments. We'll look at obedience uh, this morning, and um, and if you have any questions, then yeah, come to sermon discussion afterwards, and we'll we'll see what we can do. Uh, let me pray, and then I'll read the passage. <clears throat> Father, we ask for your help that uh, your spirit would fill your word with uh, life for us, that you would cause dead hearts to be born again, that you would uh, open our ears and our eyes to behold wondrous things from your law. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans 16, starting in verse 25. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages but has now been disclosed, and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God, to bring about the obedience of faith, to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. <clears throat> Thanks be to God. So it's, uh, it's kind of a run-on sentence, which uh, New Testament writers, especially Paul, seems want to do. Um, maybe a bit hard to track for that reason, but it's pretty simple. If you boil it down, if you do kind of a sentence structure analysis of it, um, <clears throat> it's a doxology. Uh, the, the ultimate purpose of it is to say, glory be to God who has done this. What has he done? He's made his gospel known in a way that brings about our obedience. Right? So when we think of Christian obedience, <clears throat> the obedience of faith, uh, we don't think of um, just a set of rules, uh, a, a set of uh, obligations for clean living. Um, a lot of you know I was an atheist uh, for the first 18 years or so of my life, <clears throat> I 
fairly moral atheist, right? Good guy, didn't uh, smoke or drink or mess around, um, things like that. It didn't mean I was obeying God, right? I was clearly not obeying God, I was rejecting God. Um, <clears throat> and there are plenty of more moral people than uh, live in the church who acknowledge uh, Christ as Lord, right? There are um, plenty of ways in which uh, anyone can display virtue in their lives, but the obedience of faith is something unique to Christians, and it's a, it's a phrase here that Paul uses, and it's, um, there's two ways in which it can be taken, and I think maybe both ways are uh, legitimate for us to take. Uh, the obedience of faith can mean that faith itself is obedience, Right? And Jesus says as much when uh, he's asked in the Gospels, uh, teach us to do the works of God. What are the works of God that we should do? He says, the work of God is this, believe in Jesus Christ, the one whom God has sent. Right? So the work of God, to, to obey God, he has commanded our faith. Right? So the obedience of faith can be taken as the fact that faith itself is obedience to God. If you put your faith in Christ, you are obeying God. It can also be taken <clears throat> uh, to mean that this is the obedience that is motivated by faith or that arises from faith. And that's kind of the primary sense in which I think we're going to take it uh, this morning or the next minute 30. <laughs> um, <clears throat> that, uh, that I think Paul clearly is, is leading to with the structure of this sentence. He says <clears throat> that God is able to strengthen you for what? Obedience. Uh, according to the gospel, the preaching of Christ, according to the revelation that's, that's been disclosed the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. So the gospel comes first. Jesus Christ lived the perfect life that we should have lived. Uh, he gave his life for us in exchange for us. He died under God's wrath in our place, the, the wrath that we deserve for all of our sins. Uh, Jesus took that wrath upon himself and gave us his own righteousness, credited it to us. Rec it's reckoned to our account so that when God looks at us, he sees the perfection of his own righteous son, and that's the gospel that when you believe it, leads to your obedience. Right? Uh, we looked at uh, this uh, very clearly last week when we read from Titus 2 and Titus 3. Uh, it was our New Testament reading. <clears throat> you can go back and look at that again. But it's, it's very simple, and Paul, Paul writes about it everywhere. The gospel comes first, faith comes first, and then obedience. And so uh, with that structure in mind, um, this is the nature of of Christian obedience, of the obedience of faith. This is what it looks like. Let me just read from this and then I'll be done. <clears throat> Christian obedience is relational. This may seem obvious, but obedience requires two parties, the one obeying and the one obeyed. The Christian obeys God. Christian obedience is not some sort of purity detached from relationship to God. We do not pursue a self-contained morality as if virtue in itself meant something. Getting better at obedience, also known as sanctification, is becoming increasingly submissive to God. Either we are righteous for God's sake or righteous for the sake of self, which is self-righteous, which is to say unrighteous. Christian obedience is covenantal. The Christian obeys God for reasons stipulated by God. The Ten Commandments are prefaced with these words, which we saw last week, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. 
this creates the atmosphere in which obedience takes place. The Christian obeys God because God has shown favor to him, not so that God will show favor to him. In Jesus Christ, the Lord of the covenant sacrificed himself to save his people from their sin and to redeem them for righteousness. This is the ultimate motivator for Christian obedience. Christian obedience is glad-hearted. Good works drawn from a reluctant heart do not constitute God-honoring obedience. In fact, this is lip service performed for some reason other than a joyful response to grace, which is the same as disobedience in God's eyes. Only the heart made healthy and glad with salvation can be truly obedient. Jesus said, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. If you truly love your Savior God, then he cannot ask too much of your allegiance. Christian obedience is legal. <clears throat> legal is uh, an adjective meaning based on or concerned with the law. Christian obedience takes the form of law keeping. What's that you say? Obedience has more to do with love than the law? What are the greatest precepts of the law of God? Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's right. Love is a commandment, the fulfillment of the law. If you're a Christian, you do what God tells you to do, which he has told you by way of the moral law. Christian obedience is supernatural. Only Christians can obey God rightly. Therefore, the merest potential for obedience comes from outside nature since just being a Christian is supernatural. Not only that, but we obey the will of God by being filled with the Spirit, by walking in the Spirit. How then could the origin or empowerment of our obedience be anything but supernatural, unless you would reduce the Holy Spirit of God to the level of nature? Christian obedience is necessary. For the Christian to obey God is normal. It is no extraordinary thing to do what your Lord commands, even to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus daily. But obedience is more than to be expected. For a true Christian, it is inevitable. Someone who is saved by grace through living faith in Jesus Christ will certainly obey God. In fact, disobedience points to the absence of true and saving faith. So although obedience is not a prerequisite for salvation, it is a necessary fruit of salvation. Lastly, Christian obedience is beautiful. True Christian obedience is haunting, jolting the minds of our opponents. It is compelling, winning worshipers to our God. We convey godliness through our good works, pleasing the one who calls us to holiness. The word of God is more desirable than gold and sweeter than honey. And this word produces obedience in the lives of God's people by their faith. Surely that fruit is beautiful. So to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, help us as we consider your word to be changed by it. 
this picture of obedience, a life of response to you in personal relationship with you is something we desire, and we're thankful that not only have you called us to it through Jesus Christ, but you are equipping us, you are making us able by your Holy Spirit to live a life that pleases you in response to your gospel. We pray that you would show us this increasingly uh, more and more as we go about our days, that you would uh, drive this gospel deeper into our hearts and cause uh, obedience to you to shine forth in our lives in a way that is truly uh, attractive and advances your kingdom in this place. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.